I'm Miss Tyler, and welcome to another episode of Context for Kids, where I teach you guys stuff most adults don't even know. If this is your first time hearing, or if you've missed anything, you can find all the episodes archived at contextforkids.podbean.com, which has them downloadable, or at contextforkids.com, where I have transcripts for readers and a lot of links, or on my Context for Kids YouTube channel. Parents, all scripture comes from the CSB this week, the Christian Standard Bible, and we will be in Genesis 11 and the Gospel of John. Now, before we start Genesis 11, I wanted to talk to you guys about the prayer that Jesus taught us because it's very important to understand the difference between God's name and our names. You see, the people in Shinar, they're going to try and build a tower to make a name for themselves. But Jesus said that it's God's name that's important and not our own. So we're going to talk about what it means to have a name or to make a name for yourselves and how it is different from God giving us a name and the importance of God's, of treating God's name with a lot of care. During Jesus's life and before, in the temple, there were three hours of prayer morning, noon, and night. That's why Daniel opened the windows of his house, the ones on the western side that faced Jerusalem, and prayed three times a day. In the Bible, these times are called the third hour, the sixth hour, and the ninth hour. But you might point out, they didn't have clocks, and so how'd they even know when to pray? Well, this is where it gets kind of complicated, so I'm going to tell you, but don't worry about totally understanding. There will not be a test, a pop quiz, or even an essay. It will either make sense or it won't, and if it doesn't, don't sweat it. It isn't like this will be useful in real life. So, you've probably noticed by now that daylight hours are longer in the summer and very short in the winter. Well, they still divided the day and night into 12 sections, okay, and called them hours no matter how long they lasted, and that made for every hour of the night being long in winter and short in summer, and during the summer, the day hours were long and the night hours were short. Now, where I live, right now, it's, you know, the middle of spring, and so there's a lot more daylight than there was three months ago. The sun rose this morning at 6 a.m., and it set, it'll set around 9 p.m., that means that there will be about 15 hours of sunlight and only 9 hours of darkness. But that didn't matter to them. Noon happened whenever the sun was highest in the sky because they didn't have a clock to tell them it was 12 o'clock, like we do now. Now, at my house today, you know, that won't happen until 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So, for them, that would be noon. Um, You know, not 12 o'clock, like like on our clocks. Let's say that I have the temple in my backyard, okay? The priest would wake up before the sun came up, and by the end of the first hour, which today would take 85 minutes or an hour and 25 minutes, they would be getting the altar ready and doing all the morning busy work. The second hour would start almost at 7.30 and would last another 85 minutes, putting the start of the third hour at 8.50 in the morning. Now, this was the time when they would open up the gates of the temple to visitors, and they would offer the first lamb of the day called the morning tamid offering. And there was a long prayer service called the shakarit. 
Now, three quote-unquote hours later at 1.25, which was actually four and a half hours later by our clocks today, um, they would bring out the afternoon lamb and they would have their noontime prayers, even though it wasn't what we would call noon. Now, that was called the sixth hour. At the ninth hour, which was 5.45 by, you know, my reckoning today, you know, they would sacrifice the second Tamid lamb and they would have another prayer service called the Minhat. In the winter, the hours could be as short as 47 minutes long. And so whenever, wherever you, they were in the world and, and Daniel was far away in Babylon, they could look where the sun was in the sky and pray during those times as though they were praying in the temple. Aren't you glad we have clocks now? Jeez. So why did I even bring this up? Honestly, I sat here after writing it and I couldn't remember. <laughs> but now I remember we are talking about the Lord's Prayer and I bet you can say it along with me. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And some early Bibles include, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And and that might seem odd to you that some Bibles have this verse and others don't. But back when the Tyndale and the KJV, King James Version, and some other early Bibles were translated, they only had a few sources to go on. And they were from much later than we would think. But as the years went by, scholars found more and more copies of the Bible that were made much earlier. And those Bibles didn't always have verses, you know, the same verses, which means that they were added later. You know, sometimes by accident and other times because a scribe thought it would make things clearer. But usually when we see an extra verse, it's just from another place in the Bible, like this one, which we can find in Daniel and the Psalms and Chronicles. So it's okay because that ending part is still in three other places in the Bible. Copying a huge book like the Bible by hand and with a quill even was a really hard job and it was easy to make mistakes or add something in well, you know, when you're thinking of it from some other place. Now, the first part of the Lord's Prayer is what I want to talk to you about today because it says, May your name be honored as holy. Or other translations say, Hallowed be your name, or may your name be sanctified, but it all means the exact same thing. God's name is very important, and by his name, I don't mean how you pronounce it. When the Bible was written, a person's name was their reputation, how people thought about them. If you were amazing, then you had a good name, and if you were a skunk, then you had a bad name. And we still use that expression today. Someone might be angry that another person is lying about them and say, they're trying to destroy my good name. Or how about when someone says, they're giving you a bad name. That means that someone is making you look bad, and that's just another good example of an idiom. It doesn't mean your parents gave you a bad name like Soupy Lulioma or Doopy Teshuv, and those are real Hittite and Amorite names, okay? Whatever your name is, you do not have it that bad. But God's name, and in the Bible, it's only written as four letters, Yod, He, Vav, He in Hebrew, with no vowels. 
and it was probably pronounced Yahweh, but no one can entirely prove it. So you do what your parents do and not what Miss Tyler does. Okay. And people in the Bible times said it, but by the time of Jesus, they weren't saying it anymore. And that's a long and complicated story. So don't worry about it. But we can do a really good job of making someone's name holy without actually even pronouncing it. And we can give them a bad name without pronouncing it too. All right. So it's all about being image bearers. And we've talked about that before on our radio show. And volume four of Context for Kids is about that, actually. God put men and women on earth to bear his image, to be his representatives, to rule and subdue the earth as he would if he were here. He made us to care for the planet and the animals and one another and to be just like him. Not to look like him, of course, because the Bible says that God is spirit. And so even though we call him a he, it isn't like he has a man's body. Um, Jesus does, but not the father. Sometimes we forget about that, but that's a big part of the reason why he said there would be no idols of him, making him look like a person or especially like an animal, which would be insulting. He isn't like us, but we're supposed to be like him. We're supposed to be reflections of him, like a clean, flat mirror and not a dirty, funhouse mirror. But when we're cruel, hateful, unforgiving, violent, untrustworthy, and out of control, we make God look really bad when we say that we're Christians. People look at us and think, if that is what God is like, then count me out. Because we're giving him a bad name. Now, when I was your guys' age, I knew someone who said they were a Christian, but they were just so mean, such a bully. They would laugh at me if they thought I was wrong about something. They had a mean opinion on just about everything, and they made me think that God was just like that, too. That he was laughing at me when I'm wrong and was criticizing everything I did and that he didn't think I could do anything right. I didn't want anything to do with their God because I was scared of him. I wasn't scared of what he would do to me if I sinned. I was scared that he hated me no matter what I did. Now that person who said that they were bearing God's image gave God a bad name. When they were praying, may your name be honored as holy and then left church and started being real mean, they were not living as the kind of person who was making God's name be honored as holy. You know, people were talking bad about God because of how that person behaved. And I'm sure you've probably met all sorts of people in your life who gave somebody else a bad name. Maybe their parents or maybe the organization they belong to. Just imagine if instead of helping me across the street, a Boy Scout or Girl Scout tripped me and pushed me into the traffic. People start running away when they saw those blue or green uniforms. Boy, howdy. Yet it's very important that we remember that the things we do aren't just about ourselves. When we behave like followers of Jesus should, it makes everyone around us see him better. When we behave badly, it makes everyone around us look bad too. And I use funny examples to get you to think and laugh, but how we behave is very important to everyone. It isn't just our problem or our business. Now, you've probably heard about the third commandment. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And usually people will tell you that means, you know, using God as a swear word. Now, don't get me wrong. That definitely counts. But it's a whole lot more than that because 
a name is more than just a pronunciation it's somebody's reputation how people think about them and anything we do to make god look bad is taking his name in vain it means giving him a bad name dragging his name through the mud making him a laughingstock you know however you want to put it everything we do is supposed to make god look good now we don't always succeed but there's a difference between someone having a bad day and being a goober head and someone who is making god look terrible all the time the best example i can think of is actually very terrible and sad but there's a church here in america that makes god look really bad to a lot of people when a soldier dies the members go to the funeral with terrible say signs that say horrible things that upset the family not because of anything the soldier did wrong but because these they hate other people when there's a shooting they take signs and go to where people are hurting and say that god sent the shooters to hurt people because he was angry when 9-11 happened and all those people died they said that god was laughing but we know from the bible that god doesn't laugh when people are hurting god is with the people who are hurting we're told to cry with the people who are crying not to make things worse for them that church is taking god's name in vain they're causing hurting people to hate god although fortunately most people don't believe that that church represents god at all they just had a hateful leader who didn't understand that just because he hates people doesn't mean that god does that's an easy mistake to make too but god wants us all to be saved and he isn't laughing when innocent people get hurt or when people die without knowing jesus anyone who wants to honor god's name as in jesus's prayer had better make sure that what they're saying about him is true but god isn't the only one with the name right as we'll see in chapter 11 you know the uh the people who gathered on the plain of shinar wanted to make names for themselves too they wanted to look good they uh wanted to be famous and admired and respected you know like wow look at them they're so awesome and i think most people want those things although i would sure hate to be famous but we all want people to think good things about us right now here's what they said come let's build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the sky let's make a name for ourselves otherwise we'll be scattered throughout the earth so they thought that building a city and a tower as well tall enough that everyone could see it you know that they'd never be forgotten you see they had some interesting ideas in the ancient world it was very important for them to never be forgotten because they believed that they needed to be taken care of after they died that's called ancestor worship it doesn't mean that people are bowing down and singing songs to their dead relatives as though they're gods now it means that people felt as though their dead ancestors needed their help in the land of the dead Sheol. they thought they needed food and drink and all sorts of things in order to be comfortable but if no one remembered you then you were in big trouble and so they needed to have children to take care of them after they died or to win a battle against an enemy or build impressive things you know so that they would never be forgotten people in the ancient world were 
terrified of dying and not having anyone to bury them or take care of them. So by doing impressive things, they thought that they would be remembered forever. Now, the problem is we have no idea who these people are because not one single solitary name is mentioned. Not even Nimrod. He, he was way back at the beginning of chapter 10. And we're in chapter 11 now. And evidently, everyone's been forgotten, which, you know, bummer. But the Bible does that a lot. You know, there are these little jokes all over the place. If you know what to look for, all these people wanted a name so they would never be forgotten. And they were all forgotten. They wanted to build a huge tower that reached the sky, but it was so small that God had to come down just to get a look at it. They wanted a city and tower so they wouldn't be scattered over the face of the earth. And they got scattered because they tried to build it. I mean, that's what happens when we go out trying to make a name for ourselves, right? We try so hard, and with very few exceptions, it isn't long before no one knows who the heck we are. And in most cases, no one ever knows anyway, except for the people who love us. You know, I suppose it's better to just have a good name with the people who do know us right now, right? And if God wants us to be famous, then we will be famous. But being famous never lasts forever. Probably a lot of the movie stars I grew up watching, if I told you their names, you wouldn't even know them. Or politicians. Do you know who Payne Wingate is? No? Well, he's very famous once. He was one of the very first senators here in the United States. He was a member of the Continental Congress. And you've almost certainly never heard of him. I had to look him up myself. It's, it's what he did that we remember, even if we don't know who he was, like the people who tried to build that tower in the city. We remember what they did, but only because the Bible tells us we don't even know who the heck they are. But when God wants to give you a name, boy, howdy, is that ever different. When we come to the story of Abraham, God tells Abraham he's going to give him a few things. And one of those things is a great name. And yes, God did change his name from Abram to Abraham, but that isn't what God's talking about. Abraham has got to be like the most famous man who's ever lived apart from Jesus and maybe Moses. And in fact, if you count up all the Christians, Muslims, and Jews in the world, they make up 57% or over half of the population of the world, and they all know the name of Abraham. Not only that, but they all love him. Now, that is a great name for sure. So God totally kept his promises and then some. Now, let's talk about another kind of name. I bet when you pray, sometimes you end it with, in Jesus' name, amen. But have you ever wondered what that actually means? Some people think that it means that we have to say Jesus' name in order for our prayers to be heard, but that isn't quite right. You see, Jesus is the reason why our prayers are heard, whether we mention his name or not. Name can be what you are called, and it can also be your reputation. But the third thing is about is authority. What does authority mean? If your parents go out to the movies and leave you home with the babysitter, then your parents are giving your babysitter permission to be in charge of you, to protect you, and you need to listen to them like you would listen to your parents while they are gone. Of course, if they tell you to do something bad, you don't do that. And you tell your parents when you get home. When he was here on earth, God gave Jesus the authority to preach the gospel, to do battle with Satan and his demons, to work miracles, to cure the sick, and to heal people who couldn't see, hear, walk, or talk. 
He did that for Jesus because Jesus was his only unique son. The Bible tells us that we are all the sons of God when we believe Jesus and obey him. No matter if we're girls or boys, it doesn't matter because we're all the same in God's eyes. But we aren't the same as Jesus. Jesus is special. He is the one and only son who came down from heaven to be with us. When he came, he chose some special people to be with him. And he made them some promises about his name too. And this is John 14 verses 12 through 14. Truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that my the father will be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Wow. What on earth would they do that Jesus didn't do? What could be better than all that? Well, the world needed to know what Jesus said and what he did and how he died and came back to life in a perfect body. And Jesus couldn't do that because he had to go back to his father because they saw everything. They had to go tell everyone about everything he said and did. And because they were the first to go out to do that, the first in Jerusalem and then heading out into the world, God blessed them with amazing miracles so that the people would know that they were telling the truth because frankly, it all sounded like crazy talk to them. Now, it sounds familiar to us, but the idea of believing in a guy who did all that and let himself get killed in the most embarrassing way possible and now he's alive again? They needed those miracles to show that they were telling the truth. And even today, when the story of Jesus goes out to new places, there are often amazing miracles, and especially in Africa. Oh my goodness. They have people being raised from the dead and cured of horrible things over there. And they're growing fast over there. John fifteen sixteen, You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. Now he's speaking again to his disciples, the ones who will go out into the world. Jesus is telling them that their job is to produce fruit. And that means they have to honor God's name through their behavior by being joyful, loving, peaceful, patient, kind, good, trustworthy, gentle, and self-controlled. But to also be fruitful by making new believers. Do you remember when I taught you that there are two ways to be fruitful and multiply? One is by having kids, but the most important way is by bringing new people to Jesus. I mean, there are plenty of people now, and we're all over the earth. But what every person needs to know, you know, is to know God and Jesus. John 16, verses 23 through 27. In that day, you will not ask me anything. Truly, I tell you, anything you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. I have spoken these things to you in figures of speech. A time is coming when you will ask in my name, and I am not telling you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Wow. I mean, think about that. When Jesus told them that God would hear what they asked for, that was really big. 
they wouldn't have to ask Jesus to ask God for anything anymore because God would know them and listen to them because they loved Jesus. So everything we ask God um, is, you know, when we believe um, Jesus and his gospel and that, you know, he he came and he was born of a virgin and that he preached and he worked miracles and he did all the things that the Messiah was supposed to do and and that he was crucified for our sins and raised on the third day. That's believing him. So what, everything we ask God, it's automatically in Jesus's name because Jesus is, Jesus is the reason that God listens to us. And when we ask for something to help us make new disciples, it makes him very happy. Anyway, I love you. I'm praying for you. And I pray that you have a wonderful time studying the Bible with the people who love you.